Hey listeners, this is Jordan Feingold and Sanj Katyal, and we are back to do a follow-up episode on Physician's Guide to Flourishing. Thank you to Bradley for giving us the mic one more time to provide an evidence-based roadmap for you to flourish in your lives and your work and talk a little bit about who we are, what we do, and what we teach. Our roadmap is called Revamp, and we are excited to share it with you. Welcome to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring, a show by me, Dr. Bradley Block, and this is a practical guide for practicing physicians where we interview experts in and out of medicine to find out everything we should have been learning while we were memorizing Krebs cycle. Hey, Sanj. Hey, Jordan. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? Good, good. Happy to be back on the podcast. Thanks, Bradley, for giving us the microphone once more as we talk a little bit more about positive medicine today and get a little bit more into the weeds, uh, highlighting some of the, the deeper points of what positive medicine is and what are some of the things that Sanj and I teach together in our Thrive RX course. That sounds great. Jordan, why don't we, um, for those who didn't listen to episode one, maybe just give a brief uh, intro on, on yourself, how you came to positive psychology, and then maybe for everybody, what, what our um, view of positive medicine is. Sure. So we highly recommend that listeners go back and listen to part one of this series, which aired on December 7th, I believe, 2022. But in summary, we talked about this thing, this field and this approach in healthcare that we call positive medicine, which is bringing the science of well-being and human flourishing into what we do as clinicians to make medicine something that's more than just getting rid of what's wrong with our patients and by extension, focusing more than just getting rid of our burnout as clinicians and getting rid of that, which afflicts us, but really promoting what's right with us and promoting what's right with our patients. So I studied positive psychology when I was an undergrad student, and then immediately got my master's when I was at the university of Pennsylvania. And I did all that work before even going to medical school. And it was because I recognized that in healthcare, our medical model is really based on getting rid of what's wrong with people, treating disease, curing disease, which is of course, a very important and worthy goal. But I always wanted to help people be healthy too and really think about what is health beyond just the absence of disease. So Sand, a few years later, once I was in medical school, I found that you were on a similar mission coming at it, coming at this work in positive psychology and positive medicine from as you were a practicing clinician. And we teamed up to create a course. And uh, this is something that both of us teach independently and together. So a uh, quick refresher maybe on who you are. I know you've been on the podcast quite a few times before. Yeah. So uh, I'm Sanj Katyal. I'm a practicing uh, radiologist. And I kind of came at positive psychology from the other end of the spectrum. I had, I had been practicing medicine for um, you know quite a while, I had uh, run a large radiology group of over 100 grads, and I had begun to see a lot of discontent in medicine, probably around 2009, 2010. And I, I really didn't understand why, because we had kind of all of us had achieved what we set out to achieve in life, most of the goals we, we, we hit. Um, so we should have been, I think, more fulfilled than many of us, myself included, really were at the time. 
And I was trying to figure out how to get more out of life when life was going well. Uh, so I could uh, handle the adversity when it would inevitably come as part of, you know, the course of life. So I, that sent me on a search, which I eventually found in positive psychology. Um, and, you know, I, I was kind of looking for an answer to a question that I didn't really understand at the time, but it was really the, an answer to the question, how can I not just function, but actually learn how to flourish in life? And, um, and then luckily I uh, crossed paths with Jordan and, uh, and it's, been, uh, it's been great. Um, you know, I've, I think the way I explain positive psychology to college students and other physicians Traditional psychology, basically, like Jordan said, like traditional medicine, takes somebody from a minus seven or minus eight in distress and tries to move them to a zero or maybe plus one if you're lucky. Positive psychology, like positive medicine, says, well, that's fine and that's needed, but what about all the other people that are functioning at a plus one, plus two, and attempts to move them even further on a scale of flourishing to a plus seven, plus eight, plus nine? And I think that's really the goal for uh, a lot of the work that Jordan and I do together. It's certainly the goal of Thrive Rx. Totally. And I think what's so important about our course and about this positive medicine model is that we provide a framework about what the heck health and well-being and flourishing actually mean within healthcare for clinicians and for our patients. I think what was so clear to me when I was coming from this work is that we understood clinician burnout. It's this syndrome that had been described since the 1970s and clarified in the 80s that it was this emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, and low sense of personal accomplishment that afflicted clinicians and those in the helping professions. And it was very well circumscribed and researched and studied. And now we're understanding that a lot of what we've been calling burnout is really a more insidious moral wound or moral injury that is, you know, it's very clear that these are not things that happen by any deficits within clinicians, that these are not um, a lack of resilience or a lack of anything, but really the system that is wearing us down and quite honestly functioning exactly as it's designed to function, but that all of these the burnout, the moral injury, all of the diseases that afflict our patients and ourselves, these are well-circumscribed entities, yet we didn't have a cohesive definition of what well-being meant. And without that, how do we even begin to move the needle to get people to that positive seven, positive eight, positive 10 to really thrive or flourish or whatever, whatever word resonates most with you? So I think that's something that perhaps we should turn our attention to today, what are the ingredients and some of the, the high level components that define well-being and a life well-lived? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think everybody's searching for their own version of well-being and most of it is disjointed. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of it is ineffective. And I think uh, taking coming at it from evidence-based work in positive psychology and I think, you know, the way you have framed it in, um, as revamp, I, I really uh, love to go kind of through that at a high level. And then maybe we can hit on the first uh, one or two of them cool. in today's uh, podcast. 
That sounds great. So you mentioned revamp and that's really the, the word of the day for us here on the podcast. Uh, Physician's Guide to Revamping Our Pursuit of Well-Being today. So REVAMP is an acronym and it's a call to action for how we can really reconceptualize our pursuit of well-being as healthcare workers and as human beings more broadly. So REVAMP is about the six functional domains that evidence has shown are really integral, each necessary and none alone sufficient to produce and sustain well-being or thriving. So the first is relationships, and that is relationships quite broadly. We talk about the relationships we have with our colleagues and coworkers, relationships we have with our patients if we are in a patient-facing role, the relationships we then bring home with us and have with our close personal loved ones, our kids, our spouses, our friends, parents, you name it. And then I think what's interesting and novel about the way we teach relationships is that we also define the relationship that we have with ourself as a distinct, a distinct entity worth cultivating. So before we dive into the next element, any comments on relationships, Sand, or the importance of relationships in the revamp model? I mean, I, I like, I, I'm glad that it's the number one element because I think it's probably the most yeah. important element. It's uh you know, I think relationships are undervalued in, in, in much of society. Um, you know, the, the, maybe you, you want to touch on that, the Harvard study that has tracked people over 80 years. Um, you know, uh, we can kind of get into that, but I mean, it, it, it goes to the power of relationships. And I think as clinicians in medicine, we've got a lot of opportunity and really a privilege to form relationships at, at various levels uh, to impact not only the people around us, but really our own well-being. A hundred percent. Yeah, that, that Harvard study showed that more than genes, talent, IQ, relationships are the single most important predictor of well-being and life satisfaction across the lifespan. And, you know, <laughs> research shows that even a hill is literally perceived as less steep when you're looking at it with a friend. So relationships change our visual fields. They change our perception of reality and they help increase our lifespan, our wellspan, and uh, really are the most important predictor of well-being. So learning how to cultivate relationships, and I think we'll hopefully have time to delve into that a little bit more today, is very critical and, and the first and foremost component of the revamp model. So moving through, so we have our relationships. E is about engagement. And that is really being one with our day-to-day -day tasks, being engaged, being able to use the best parts of ourselves in our daily lives, our character strengths, to find the flow state or the state of optimal psychic energy in the work that we're doing. And then being able to have flow in other activities we do outside of the workplace, getting into flow with our patients, and then really being able to be present in the moment or use mindfulness, which as we will certainly talk about, be it today or next time, is more than just sitting and meditating. It's really about noticing and being present non-judgmentally with our moment-to-moment -moment experience. So uh, engagement is number two. Any comments here or points about engagement that you think are most critical that we point out and, and don't leave on off the table today? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think the, you know, 
people meditate and that's good, but I think the point you were alluding to is mm. it's really about meditativeness and, and a sense of awareness in, in everything that you're doing. Um, and, and that, that I think helps kind of ground you in, in, in the present moment, whether it's sitting in front of a patient or talking to your, your partner or kid, um, you know, awareness uh, of, of what you're doing, of what we're all doing. I think is key and that that leads to engagement um which is which is really just crucial because the present moment is all we all have right so there there is nothing else yep it's so true and to be able to really be engaged with our patients and to not have our minds be scattered elsewhere at what we have to do later and picking up our kids from school and really being able to give our attention it is one of the most precious resources that any of us have. And really it's a practice to be engaged with others and to be engaged and present with ourselves. And there's so much research to suggest that when our minds wander, that's when we're least satisfied with our day-to-day -day experience, right? There's the seminal paper, a wandering mind is an unhappy mind. So really learning how to be present and ground ourselves is absolutely yep. critical for our own sense of well-being and i suspect and research shows the the care that we're able to give to patients this podcast is sponsored by dr doc lending the personal lending platform designed for doctors by doctors traditional lenders tend to overestimate the risk of lending to doctors as many of us carry significant debt burden but we're pretty low risk we almost never default and they know that at dr doc and they're able to keep their interest rates low accordingly I love what Dr. Doc is doing for our community and encourage you to visit them today at doctodoclending.com slash PGTD. That's doc2doc with the number two, lending.com slash PGTD for Physician's Guide to Doctoring. Yeah. And, and you know, in the course we go, we go into detail. Practically, we go into a lot of uh, detail about attention and how to cultivate attention in, in your personal and professional life. And that's really about uh, and, you know, leading to engagement, increased awareness. And there's a lot of practical things that we can all do to improve that area. Cause it's, it's not, it's not a, uh, it's not our default condition. Certainly not. Certainly not. Uh, so, so moving along through revamp, the V, the core, the sense, the first central core of the acronym is about vitality, really having the energy to tackle our day-to-day -day tasks with vigor. So that includes everything from understanding the mind-body relationship and how our physical states, like being rested enough, getting enough physical activity can interact with our mental states and, under, and vice versa, how our mental states can aff affect our physiology. So we'll talk, we talk about physical activity, how to realistically increase more physical activity and not just exercise, not just going to the gym and lifting weights, but really rethinking our day-to-day -day tasks as being physical, taking the stairs, walking to work, and how that can actually yield physiologic benefits through the placebo response and how we can harness the power of the placebo response in our day-to-day -day work with patients and with ourselves. It, I personally think that placebo is the best drug that we have in medicine. And while we often use it to compare our medical treatments to thinking like, oh, this thing, is this better than placebo? Is it equal to placebo? I think we should be using placebo more. 
And uh, so that's, that's something we, we talk about and how just changing our relationship to our diets and physical activity can really change our physiologic responses to those inputs. Yeah, no, that's, that's totally, uh, totally true. And, and I think you in, in the course and in, in the vitality module uh, go into a lot of good detail about exactly how to do that and the connection between the mind and body and how important it is. And not only how important it is, but actually how to harness that and, and use it to our advantage. So um, that's that's a very, very uh, important module as part of REVAMP. And this is one that was not actually in the traditional positive psychology module when Martin Seligman came up with PERMA. So you'll notice that if you've heard of PERMA, positive emotions, engagement, relationships, meaning, and accomplishment, those are all going to show up in the revamp model. But revamp has vitality, which is not in the PERMA model. And I think it's so important as healthcare workers that we focus on our physical health and vitality and energy because we know that it's what our patients are coming in with their complaints about. They're coming in with complaints about sleep, complaints about energy management, feeling low. And sometimes there's a real quote medical cause to that. And sometimes it's really a mind body phenomenon that these things are completely integrated. And unless we attend to both the mind and body, we're really not going to sufficiently help them. So, so moving along, the A in revamp is about accomplishment or achievement. And we talk about this as success and the way we define success being in line and synergistic with the success of those around us. We all trained in medical school and in our training professions on a bell curve and learned that our success was sometimes contingent upon someone else not being so successful. And being in these highly competitive educational environments, yet we came into this field with such a pro-social motivation to help others. And throughout the course of our training, those, those values can become at odds with one another. So how do we reclaim our definitions of quote unquote success? Think about our financial well-being and, and not discount the importance of being financially independent for our ability to enjoy coming to work every day and know that maybe we work because we love to work and not because we're shackled to pay back medical school debt or to just finance our day-to-day -day lives. So that's an element we really talk about more in depth in, in the course and in the psychological realm and in thinking about revamp and the accomplishment and redefining accomplishment, it's really like this psychological framework of how do I align my definition of success to be synergistic with those around me? Yeah, no, that's, that's, I mean, there's no shortage of accomplishment among physicians, right? Uh, but the, to understand what the motivation in behind some of those accomplishments, I think is important. Uh, number one, I think doing things that are intrinsically motivated uh, as opposed to extrinsically uh, motivated for some sort of reward down the road or feeling better. Uh, I think doing things because that's what we're called to do or what we are moved to do um, is, is really important. And then the financial achievement is, is really undervalued, I think, in medicine and certainly in our medical training. And, you know, we, we really need to uh, become as financially literate as we can. And, and this, and we have a separate module in Thrive Rx to do just that because um, mental, physical well-being uh, are, is very highly tied to financial well-being. You, you, if you're 
stuck paycheck to paycheck in a toxic work environment, it's going to be very hard to get um, out of that um, and, and flourish mentally or uh, physically. So that's, that's, I think, a really good component. Yeah. And what's so critical that I want to make sure we emphasize, it's not about overvaluing material goods or financial success for the sake of financial success. It's really about in having a basic level of literacy when it comes to our financial well-being such that we're not we're not worried all the time and we have our basic needs met and we're not constantly giving of ourselves at the expense of ourselves because we need it to survive. So, um, you know, a, a new meta-analysis came out recently that showed financial preoccupation or, or overvaluing finances actually undermined well-being. So it's not about valuing it above all else. It's really about having a basic level of literacy and mastery so that we can sustain all of the things that do bring us joy and bring us a sense of well-being. Yeah. Uh, the goal of financial literacy is to take money off the table, basically. You just work. Um, you're not working. You're no longer working just for money. You know, you're You've moved beyond that. That's really the goal of financial literacy. So you mentioned this idea of having a calling and doing the things that are part of our work that are deeply aligned with our values. And that really ties to the penultimate revamp element meaning and having a sense of purpose in our lives and deliberately living by that sense of purpose on a day-to-day -day basis. Meaning also captures understanding when these very challenging things in our lives do happen and inevitably will, how we can learn and grow through these adversities rather than letting these adversities solely define us and how we can help our patients do that too and embrace this, this idea of post-traumatic growth. And that's all through the meaning making of what happens to us. And meaning is one of these topics. It Some people are can really tap into a sense of spirituality and what they do, who they are, like what, what is your soul? What, what makes you wake up in the morning? How do we, how do we tap into th these existential questions of our existence and bring them into our day-to-day -day lives to live a little bit more richly and deliberately in line with our, our value system? Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I, you know, I look at meaning or meaningful life very kind of simplistically, you know, we all have some sort of unique potential that we were you know, born with. And, you know, the purpose is just to basically, un, you know, fully realize that potential and then use that in the service of something other than our own petty needs. Um, you know, realize your potential and then share it with the world. Uh, that's, to me, uh, a fairly good definition of a meaningful life. Um, and, you know, that, that, that leaves a lot of room uh, person to person to really kind of experiment, explore, and um, reconnect with what makes them tick inside. Absolutely. And this final element, what I think actually may be somewhat of an emergent phenomenon when we have an integrated R-E-V-A-M is this positive emotions domain, this lived experience of the positive. And what we know from decades of research is that positive emotions like joy, interest, serenity, excitement, pride, 
gratitude. These states actually open our mind and open our sense of awareness of what's possible. And research shows that doctors, when they're just given a little gift of a bag of candy, they make better diagnostic decisions in a randomized control trial compared with those who are not induced with that little dose of positivity. So they really expand our idea of what's possible. And it's positive affective states are very atypically the focus of our clinical attention. We're always trying to get rid of the negative and focus on the all of the badness. And when we just shift our orientation towards some of the goodness, when was the last time you felt really alive? When was the last time you felt grateful or proud of yourself? Just how much that can shift our own experiences and our clinical encounters too. Yeah, no, that, and you know, and it, it's part of what makes life worth living, right? Having positive emotions and, and and feeling, feeling good, feeling you know um, joyful, uh, and so that I, I think it's a great addition to revamp, uh, and and I think it rounds out the entire spectrum of these important elements. Absolutely. So we have the re- we've introduced you to revamp relationships, engagement, vitality accomplishment, meaning, and positive emotions. And in future episodes, we would love to do a deep dive into each one of these elements for you and think about practices and exercises that we can use to really move the needle and and fill each of these buckets in our lives. I guess with the little time we have left today, Sanj, maybe I can just ask you and we can talk briefly, what is something that you do for your relationships? these days? How are you cultivating more positive relationships in your day-to-day life, be it at work or at home, to really fill that R bucket, which we know is the most important contributor to well-being? For me personally, just just being aware of the importance of relationships, just that understanding alone has been really, um, really uh, helpful to me. Um, You know, carving out special time with uh, either my wife, my kids, one one or two of them, at a time or uh, close friends has been really good too. So, you know, things that make it on the calendar tend to get done. Um, and so being able to prioritize relationships and being able to put stuff like that on the calendar is really is really important to me. Um, because then you don't have any, you know, you don't have any regrets like, if, you know, uh, down the road. So, you know, I think that's, that's really the biggest thing for me. How about you? Yeah. Quality time I'm hearing and and being deliberate about carving it out. Yeah. So there's so many ways this can go because I think this is like probably my number one value. I did mention that the relationship that we have with ourself is something we talk about. So I'll just put in a plug for this concept of self-compassion, which I've come a long way with myself over the last few years, which is really learning how to just be with myself. And when things in my life are not going as planned, when I'm running late in my day, or I am just in a bad mood, quite honestly, from a long day, I'm exhausted and get enough rest feeling a little nauseous from the shuttle that I take home from the VA. Like, how do I give myself the the tenderness that I need when I need a little bit of tenderness? And how do I give myself a little bit of kick in the butt and advocate for my needs when I'm, when I'm feeling like a little self-indulgent? So balancing these forces of like the tender self-compassion and the self-kindness with what Kristen Neff, the mother of self-compassion calls the mama bear turned inward. Like, how do I really advocate for myself when that's more of the flavor of self-compassion that I need? And 
you know, when I distill self-compassion to my students or my patients, I really just ask them when you're going through something challenging, how can you flip the situation so that you imagine that someone you really love was going through that same thing? So imagine your sibling or your child or your partner is going through what you're going through. How would you counsel them through it? How would you speak to them? What would your voice sound like? And how do I actually turn that dialogue into in on myself and say, Jordan, you're just a human. You're having a hard day. Why don't you give yourself some TLC today? You don't need to do any more work. Put the laptop down. And how do I actually say it to myself in a way that I believe it, just like I would say it to someone else? Yeah, no, that's that's great advice. I think we're we're much kinder to everybody else than we are to ourselves, right? And if we can just treat ourselves like we would a close friend, just uh, that that alone, that pers- shift in perspective can can give us what we need. Um, yeah. So I think yeah. that's that's a that's a really good point to uh, to end the relationship section on. Sweet. So. It's been a pleasure talking to you today, Sand. It's always great to connect with you and just talk about these things. Cause I think just talking about positive psychology is in itself a positive intervention. Yeah. And it's a positive emotion for me. And I think for you as well. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Getting into flow, a little bit of engagement and being able to share these things with the audience is also deeply meaningful for us. So Um, thank you for listening today and thank you to Dr. Bradley Block for giving us the microphone to talk a little bit about flourishing and thrive our X definitely check out our course and we look forward to future episodes with you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a positive review on your favorite podcast player. I'm also available for medical legal consulting and keynote speaking if you're interested, or to just give us some feedback on the show, email me at brad at physiciansguidetodoctoring.com. I'll see you next week. The ideas expressed in this podcast are those of the interviewer and interviewee and do not represent those of their respective employers.